0: This is episode number 96 of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Tyler Palmer. Tyler is currently a hitting instructor at the Grindhouse, which is a baseball facility in South Florida. It's a facility his older brother started, and Tyler has now come on board um, since his professional baseball career has ended. Um, He actually started out his collegiate career at the University of Florida, then transferred to the University of Miami and was a Hurricane um, and we go over that process of, of, you know being at a big school has has its benefits and its downfalls as well and, and Tyler can attest to um you know attest to that firsthand just because they've always got more and more kids coming in no matter what and so it it is a job whether you like it or not and um, the college recruiting process when you get to a bigger school it's 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 very business-like so I, I think Tyler brings a unique perspective in the the college recruiting aspect of this um we go over um Hitting data, um, what Tyler uses at his facility, and just where the state of the game is going today. Um, Tyler was a great, great interview, uh, very well spoken. I think everyone will enjoy listening to him. Um, If you haven't already, please head on over to iTunes and uh, leave a five-star rating and write a short review. Um, That helps the overall rating of the show, and I would appreciate it. So, Without further ado, here is Tyler Palmer. All right, and now we are live with Tyler Palmer. Tyler, appreciate you coming on today.
1: No, I appreciate you having me, man.
0: So you were a former, former Miami Hurricane. Um, if you could give the, a little bit of your background just uh, in baseball to everyone listening, that would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so actually before uh, I was a Miami Hurricane, I was actually a uh, University of Florida Gator. Um, out of, uh, I grew up in South Florida uh, in Pembroke Pines which is about 30, 45 minutes north of uh, Coral Gables. Um, and uh, I actually committed to University of Florida out of uh, high school. And I attended there my freshman year, which was uh, 2010, 2011. Um, things didn't end up working out there uh, like uh, I expected or, or wished. Uh, and I actually transferred my sophomore year, which was 2012, uh, to the University of Miami. Ended up finishing out uh, my collegiate ball there. Uh, played 2012-2014. to um, in 2014, I was drafted, uh, the 21st round by the Los Angeles Angels and, uh, ended up spending two seasons with them. Uh, got up to, uh, class day advance, which was, uh, inland empire, uh, back in 2015. Uh, and then 2016 spring training, I ended up, uh, hanging up the cleats and, uh, pursuing my career after, um, uh, which has led me to where I'm at now. Um training the hitters uh, at our facility, which we call the grindhouse down here in South Florida, uh, and also running our uh, player development side of uh, just our entire programs that we're operating here at the facility.
0: So you went to two big-time college baseball programs starting out at University of Florida. I've heard um – from other players, I played at, at at Xavier University, which is in Cincinnati, Ohio. But I know down uh-huh. south, it's it's a little bit different. You know, at some of those bigger schools, in terms of recruiting and and guys coming there, and maybe the coach doesn't like what they see. And by the time uh, winter break rolls around, um, that that particular player is transferred to another school. Um, it, was that the case for you. Or kind of, or have you heard, uh, heard of that as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is no knock on, on any, you know, college that has this, this model. Um, when you go to, you know, I, and I'm seeing it now from, you know, the different perspectives I'm in now, right? We're, we're a developmental facility. Um, so we're focused on development. And, you know, <clears throat> when you get to some of these Power 5 schools, um, you can almost consider it like a minor league operation. Uh, and now minor league baseball is starting to transform as well, too. But, you know, the way it is is you get the best uh, 35 kids you can get on campus uh, and you just have them compete for fall. Uh, and now I, I didn't uh, essentially get cut uh, after fall. Uh, but, you know, I ended up playing, I think it was 13 games my freshman year. Um, at around 280, uh, but just things weren't working out uh, my way. Uh, And I ended up having a conversation, which was uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, our head coach. Um, And, you know, how things were working out for the next year. You know, I was being slotted behind. This guy was coming in. This guy was coming in. And, you know, it's just how the cycle works when you're in a Power Five conference that uh, it's next guy up. You know, if you're not getting the job done, um, they're going to find someone else to get the job done for you. Um, You know, which is very comparable to how baseball is when you get to the next level of minor league baseball it's a job um and if you're not doing your job to the best of uh of your ability um or to how they want they're going to find someone else they're going to pay someone else to get the job done so you know it's it's a it's a difficult uh thing to adjust to when you're 18 years old right and you know the game has always just been uh fun for you and a hobby uh but the minute someone starts paying you right giving you a scholarship or actually paying you money uh it's now a job so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I still have close ties to the University of Miami. Um, you know, along with our facility, uh, the Grindhouse, uh, we're attached to uh, Elite Squad uh, Baseball, which is a showcase organization. Uh, one of the largest that actually my brother uh, uh, runs and operates. Uh, he founded it back in 20, uh, 2007, which when I was a freshman. Um, so we have close ties. And, you know, we just – we hear all the time about, hey, this kid didn't, you know, make it through the fall. Um, you know, he's off to a JUCO or off trying to find a Division two to transfer to. It's it's reality.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's just it's interesting because obviously you were a very very good player. I mean, you ended up getting drafted. You know, playing professional baseball. You you ended up becoming an everyday player at the University of Miami, Florida. I mean, that's a powerhouse. So it clearly isn't even a necessarily a sometimes. Sometimes, you know, kids will go there and it's just they're not good enough. That wasn't that wasn't really the case for you. I mean, I know sometimes that, that's the case for, for other players. What would you tell players? Because I, I work with high school kids, too. And and I was the same way. You know, I was obsessed with going to a big time college, you know, wanted to be the big, you know big shot, all that stuff. I know you're kind of in a similar situation now working with with younger players. What do you tell them when you're kind of mentoring them through the recruiting process?
1: Yeah, my my biggest thing is I walked into a situation and now, you know, my brother, who was my high school coach as well, too, uh, was just starting out his career as far as the recruiting process like that. So uh, none of us really knew um, the recruiting process and and what we should be looking for, you know, what what would be a good scholarship and whatnot. It was just an offer. It was a great offer, um, you know, from a big Power 5 school and I jumped on it. You know, it was one of my very few offers at the time I committed late, which it seems like kids are committing earlier than ever nowadays, although it's starting to change to the NCAA rules. But, you know, my biggest thing for anyone, um, you know, going through the recruiting process is uh, take your time, uh, take your visits. If you have multiple schools uh, that are after you, go ahead uh, and take those five visits and the NCAA still uh, grant you. Uh, and, you know, get a good feel for, for what the coaches expect out of you and, and the timeline. Uh, you want to go to any school where you're going to go ahead and play right away. Um, that's just the reality of it. You want to get three years under your belt, so hopefully by, you know, your junior year when you're draft eligible, uh, you have that experience uh, that, you know, X amount of games, uh, you know, you're prepared for, you know, whatever gets thrown at you, um, you know, draft year. But, you know, with with all these schools uh, now, as far as uh, development stuff like that, I think, you know, what kids should really be looking for as well too is the schools that have a good track record as far as, putting kids into the draft, um, not even just a draft, but then, you know, their graduation rate uh, and the academic side and what they're doing for, for their players, um, you know, in their afterlife. It's one thing that, you know, I give credit to the university of Miami just besides their, their history of, uh, you know, MLB all-stars and, and draft and stuff like that. Uh, they have a, a tight knit, uh, you know, community with the baseball players that they do do a great job with, uh, you know, jobs after uh, your career is done. Uh, that's something the that head coach has always uh, talked to us about. And it's something that, you know, I think is very unique uh, for a program. So there is a day that your baseball career would come to an end. Um, and you want to, you want to have a coach and a college that, that has your back when that day does come. So uh, that's just my, you know, tip to path, uh on the recruiting process. things.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting take on that. And, it's interesting to have have someone like you kind of explain it because you've been through it um, both both ways. Um, while you were a player, did you were you kind of obsessed with with the analytics of the game and, and biomechanics and that sort of a thing?
1: <clears throat> yeah, so I actually just posted something on my Twitter uh, yesterday as well. So I'm, I'm getting more into writing. Um, it, you know, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, going in my head about this and about that. And that's been my 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 mantra since I was fourteen, fifteen years old. I, you know, even though I did play at University of Florida, I did play at University of Miami, I did get drafted. I'm going to be honest with you, Pat. I wasn't that good of a baseball player. I, I had some talent, but I wasn't that good. Uh, what I think I did have was though was an obsession for becoming uh, the best version of myself that I could be. Whether that meant studying, you know what training program can get me the strongest what speed program can get me the strong what drills can help me uh be the best uh i mean i i remember when i first got a twitter i was back in high school uh, and i was following guys you know like tootsbury uh who became i guess maybe he was the first one really uh on the hitting twitter side of things uh back when he used to do sunday swing and stuff like that you know it opened my eyes to you know things that you know, i i never understood about the swing um so yeah, I mean, my my history of uh, what I'm doing right now goes back to when I was 14, 15 years old, and how obsessed, you know, just becoming the best player that I could possibly be. Uh, however, that you know, um, however, I, I needed to to do it, you know, through research or whatever. Um, the one thing that that players have now that I didn't have back then was all the data, uh, these bat sensors, uh, the batted ball data. Um, you know, it's something that i didn't have back then um and when i you know got into our facility right now i had to teach myself uh you know i had to learn from from other guys as well too that are more up to speed than i was uh with some of the stuff but i can tell you one thing uh if this was accessible when i was playing uh, i would have used a hell of a lot more um you know just for the fact that i don't think that there's anything wrong with uh with any of the data data is what it is. It's it's just numbers that is going to uh, show you what is exactly happening with, with an objective view, uh, not, you know, a coach giving you a video uh, essentially saying this is what you're doing uh, when you don't see what's actually happening, you know, more of a subjective view as I like to like to say.
0: Yeah. And, and like you said, it's just, it's just numbers at the end of the day and especially for, for me as a coach and, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I liked having the number. I like having numbers right now. I like having all the data right now. It doesn't mean I just throw it out at players. It doesn't mean that I just you know just. It, it's it's more so to help me, uh, learn, understand, and like learn how to coach each player differently and to really sim- simplify what I kind of want them to do. Um, I know you've talked a lot about blast motion. Um in the past and i've been reading um a little bit on on your twitter lately and i've noticed the exact same thing which was kind of funny is i have a player who's jumped in exit velocity and his bat speed his bat speed has actually decreased and i know you talked about a little bit about that on twitter um last few days could you kind of talk about what you found using blast motion sensor
1: yeah um you know, I had the blast, guys, in about two weeks ago. Great dudes, man. Um, Matt Tanner was one of them. Uh, and, you know, we got, we got into talking about a lot of different things. And, you know, before I get into my finance role, too, Tanner and I just really talked about uh, data as a whole. And I simply told him, like, listen, I love your product, uh, but just know it's never going to change what I believe in that needs to happen with the swing. It's only going to validate. Uh, my methods, uh, you know, towards my principles, you know, something I always talk about with, you know, a hater that comes into my facility when we go through our assessment processes, you know, our set of principles that we believe in uh, and then our methods that help us get to those principles. Uh, you know, something that Greg Cook, who's the founder of uh, the, the Functional Movement Screen, talks about, you know, principles being a fundamental rule or law, usually unaffected by time or technology where methods is how you do something and how you make something usually improved over time with technical advances. Um, you know, Blast, uh, you know, flight scope, and all the machines that we use are only measures uh, of what we're trying to get our kids to do. Uh, you know, we talk about a simple approach for guys is hitting balls hard in the air through the middle of the field. It's where the highest hit probability is for any hitter, right? Um, you know, through our, our overload and underload program, um, I believe that the focus isn't just bat speed um, for those guys. I Believe it or not, though, Pat, I thought it was. Um, but th- this is how data works. The more you collect, the more questions you're going to have. Uh, just because, you know, the beauty of, of baseball is what works for someone may not work for everybody. Um, so meaning more speed, more bat speed may not be the best thing for every single kid in the facility because they can't control it. Every kid moves differently. Every kid has a different timing mechanism. Every kid's time to contact is also probably different. So if we're, we're changing up a few things uh, in his swing and, and different patterns, it could affect the swing speed. But if the end result is harder hit baseballs, uh, I'm gonna take it. Uh, we've probably collected a little over you know 1,500 swings through Blast, uh, and I haven't finished up the data yet. But the trends that we're seeing is. We have guys that go up in swing speeds that their active velocity increases. We have guys that go down in swing speeds that their active velocity increases. Um, you know how I how I break it down to my hitters very simply is: you want to hit balls harder. The best thing you can do is square up the baseball more often. That's all it is.
0: <laughs> so, what what is your favorite tool right now to use?
1: Um, as far as technology, or as far as uh, yeah, I
0: guess we'll we'll start out like just training te- method. Yeah, I'd say just right now. Let's let's start out technology.
1: I really do like Blast Man. Uh, I think for any coach uh, that wants to get into uh, using data as far as development, I think it's the most cost beneficial. Uh, you're talking about one hundred fifty dollars for the sensor. You're talking about a hundred dollars a year, for ten dollars a month for their uh, I think they call it the blast connect, uh, package, the Academy package. Um, so you can save all the videos, uh, online, you can create workouts, uh, and so you can print out, um, or just save on an Excel file, uh, all swing. Um, my, my deal with data, um, is I think uh, a lot of people go about collecting it in ways that aren't so meaningful. Uh, meaning that if our goal, Pat is to get kids better in the games, I think data needs to be collected as close as possible to game-like situations, uh, game-like speeds uh, with game-like constraints. Uh, you know, I, I, I get a lot of kids in my facility, and this is the the trend right now in, in you know, high school baseball, where, you know, perfect game. Uh, I think a kid goes out to a showcase on one of the, uh, you know, how they run their 60, they do their outfield velocity. And one of the things that they're doing is, you know, batted ball velocity, uh, exit velocity off of the tee. And to me, that, that tells me nothing. Um, yep. you know, and I get questions from parents all the time. It really doesn't. Sure. It's an indication of bat speed. Um, uh, but I can also teach kids how to have higher exit velocity off of a tee by flying off their backside, right. And hitting a ball in a certain direction, but it's just not going to convert when it comes to game time. You know, I use batted ball data, uh, as, as more of a, a tool to tell me what's going on in their swing and what's maybe happening in their approach and their mindset. Um, versus just trying to chase a number i know we we got into it on twitter a little bit about that you know i i I have to turn off the machine sometimes for kids because they're not understanding that hey when you know we're doing this in bp uh and you're trying to just change uh chase that peak exit velocity and now you're a kid that's a a toe tap kid and you're starting to leg kick and try and chase a number like it just doesn't work out for me so um blast blast is really easy easy to you know take from front toss uh to live and one of the cool things, Pat, that I think I'm able to give a perspective uh, for for other coaches uh, is that I don't just operate with kids in a facility, uh, in a cage. There's a big disconnect, and I'm, and I'm sure you can see this as well, too, being a coach. Uh, there's a big disconnect from instructors uh, in facilities to coaches out in the field. We also do run a, a high school, uh, homeschool academy um, at our facility as well, too, where we've got you know, top division one players uh, and a potential, you know, top five rounder this year um, that I'm able to see how our training uh, correlates uh, out towards, you know, game situations. One of the things that we started doing was taking blast uh, and putting it on our hitters uh, in the actual games. It's something that, you know, it's hard to do with other machines uh, and the other machines that we're talking about are upwards of $20,000 if you're even taking it out there. So, you know, that's, that's pretty difficult for, for anyone, um, you know, to to afford and, and take out there, that's why you know I'm a big component of Blast and what they're doing, and uh, you know how their guys are, are feeding information as well through to, to uh, Twitter. If you have any questions with them,
0: what would you, going back to the uh, the showcase method of, of hitting the ball off the tee for exit velocity, what would you recommend? them doing instead of that too because i know i understand what they're trying to do is they're trying to you know they want to see the exit velocity just like the 60 time you know they're trying to get the, all the metrics from um, all the all the different tools we're throwing running hitting all that what would you recommend them do instead
1: <clears throat> what i recommend them doing is uh taking out a flight soap machine i know um Trackman, I think it's making a portable version as well too. And most these facilities that every game even does their showcases that, uh, have a trackman on them. So what I recommend them is during games, during their showcase games, uh, and even during BP to, uh, collect that data and then starting and then put it, um, you know, in a player profile as well too. Like, Hey, here's what the kid is doing at BP. Uh, here's what the kid is doing in the game. Uh, and this is the way I think recruiting will start moving as well too. Um, you know, that companies such as, as baseball cloud, I'm not sure if you ever heard of them, but, yep. um, you know, what's going to happen in the future is, is, you know, a coach doesn't necessarily, um, have to, you know, go in and see a player, uh, multiple, multiple times. And, and I've seen it before. Um, you know, a coach sees a, a player once, commits them, um, because they had a good performance and the kid doesn't pan out. Um, you know, with how in-depth data is, is becoming. Uh, I think those mistakes are going to happen less and less and less because coaches are going to have access to the, the, the data and the information from all these games. Um, and they'll be able to see that player once in person, which I think, you know, the data is never going to change uh, a coach's opinion um, on what he thinks uh, a player needs to be to be in his program, uh, to be successful. Um, but what it is going to do is give clarification that, you know, hey, you saw him one game, had a great game. Well, he wants to see him um, against, you know, this uh, kid who's 90 but he's got to go watch another pitcher at another field or whatever. Now he can pull up the data and, and see what this kid did against this kid that was 90-92. Um, you know, I just think it's, it's more accurate as far as um, player performance uh, and what they can actually do uh, in game situations, a situation that I believe that matters. So that'd be my opinion for perfect game. Um, you know, just to give a better um how do I say a better description on you know what a player can actually do when it comes down from the box if they're getting it you know more towards game situations
0: yeah a hundred percent, and I also think that that w- I think it'll help um the players understand a little bit better too versus just being so obsessed with hitting off of a tee in, in regards in preparation for the showcase and becoming so obsessed with the exit velocity off of a tee versus, yep. you know, actually working on stuff in a cage, which will help them prepare, you know, for the showcase as well.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I get a lot of, you know, 14, 15 year olds, uh, come to our facility, pretty talented kids. And they'll tell me that their exit velocity is 94 and five off the tee. Right. You know, I ask them what the average MLB exit velocity is and, they're gonna tell me a hundred, hundred and two, and I'll actually tell them well, eighty-eight point four, right? Right around eighty-nine miles probably. hour. go what? I go yes, you know. Uh, they're also facing guys that are right around ninety-four. So that's uh, the story of it.
0: Wait, the, I didn't. I didn't actually know that you, MLB guys are like eighty-nine off the tee.
1: No, no, not off the tee in in, uh, in game situations. Remember Statcast? Oh, okay. Only-
0: I was. I was like. I was like, really yeah. off the tee? Uh, they do all that off the yeah. tee too.
1: No, no, no. So when
0: when a player comes in to see you, do you do – I heard you bring up functional movement screen and some other things. What do you normally do Like first time you see a player?
1: Yeah, so I know you actually – you got TPI certified, right? Right. Yeah, so I'm in the work of getting uh, TPI certified. I'll get my certification um, in January uh, in Orlando, 24th, 25th, so – uh, if anyone's going to be there, I'd love to talk to you guys uh, about that. I know they uh, just established on base you as well too. I was late to the party um, to that. I'm already get my TPI, but look like to probably get that as well too. Um, the first thing anyone uh, does when they come into our facility is they're going to go through an assessment. We're going to run them through uh, a functional movement screen combined with um, TPI's uh, physical assessment as well too. Um, you know, my recommendation for for any coach out there that's looking to get into data, technology, all that stuff, is one, first understand how the body moves uh, and how it needs to move um, and how the individual body moves as well, too. Um, You know, as we want kids swinging like Bryce Harper, as we want kids swinging like Mike Trout, they don't move like them. So to try and copy some of their movements, um, it's going to be pretty hard. Uh, Some of their principles uh, that they have and that very successful hitters have, such as speed or dynamic balance, um you know i think we can all get achieved but if you want them to load the same way you want them to move the same way uh you got to help them through just their physiology Um uh, so for us the first thing that they run through uh at our facility uh the next thing that we'll do is uh put them on our bat sensor and we'll bridge them um from front talk uh to live and then uh something very accurate to their gain speed such as if we have a 12 year old in our facility uh we'll put them on a machine at 60 miles per hour you know if we get a uh a high school junior high school, uh, senior, we'll put them on a machine, uh, you know, 80, 85 miles per hour, uh, give them, you know, some accurate measure of what they're doing, um, you know, to see what's changing, uh, in their swing with velocity, you know, with blast motion on them, what's happening. Right. Uh, we've seen it all the time where attack angle, uh, starts to go from positive to negative, you know, from front off, uh, to live and to, uh, the machine with, with velocity it could be a simple indication of uh they're not getting started early enough right they're they're kind of panicking when uh, velocity gets put on them so it just helps us kind of analyze uh their swing uh from that perspective when they first come into our facility uh and then we'll also analyze their batted ball data uh, as well too which can kind of give us an indication of what's going on uh in his swing and uh, and more so in his approach and his mindset uh as well too so um, we use all that information, um, before we even have a conversation with our hitters. You know, I don't even say one word, uh, essentially, you know, to our kids that come through an assessment process. Um, I think what, uh, makes the best coaches, uh, in our game is those who are able to communicate, um, uh, on different levels from a high school senior, uh, an MLB all-star all the way down to a 10 year old, um and build buy-in with every single kid at every single level. Um, and I think data is only going to help uh, build some of that buy-in with coaches if they can effectively communicate it. Um, you know, I was a uh, a very stubborn ball player myself, Pat, to I, I didn't want to change a lot of things. Uh, you know, it came my junior year in college that I actually learned that, wait, we don't hit the top half of the baseball. We actually got to work up to the bottom half of the baseball. You know, I, I saw a, a very good hitting instructor down here in South Florida uh, in, in my time in, in college. Um, and it opened up my eyes to a lot of different things. You know, I went through a huge slump my junior year, uh, and I finally broke out of it. Thanks to my dad, who ended up pushing me to go see someone, go see someone, go see someone. But I can tell you, if I had some information uh, and some, some clear numbers, uh, I think it would have made changes a lot faster. So I think it's going to help a lot of coaches. um, build the buy-in with kids to show them like, Hey, here is, here's is what I see. Here's what black, and here's what Flightscope scope records. Uh, here's the positives and here's the negatives and how it can it really affect your career.
0: So I don't know how familiar you are with, uh, with K vest, but I actually just bought a K vest. It's going to be here. Um, I think Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and I think based off of just kind of how the game is going and how, Instruction is going in and just some of the things that I've learned at TPI and things is is video. You can't always trust just what you see on video. And I think in the future, uh, video is is going to kind of go away. Video analysis on each player is going to kind of go away. And there's not going to be really any guessing of what's going on. You see body track with the force plates. They're coming out in January, uh, making the 60 inch version. Um, K vest obviously for the body have the sensors as well I mean flight scope, hit tracks, whatever it is, there's really not going to be a whole lot of guessing and like with all those things there's really not, it's not even necessary for video in terms of, of just uh, doing an analysis on a player, it's just the, all the data and information is going to be right there now the trickiest part is going to be well, how do you still implement those or how do you fix those changes that, that, that the player needs to make based off of what you see? And that's, that is the hard part right there.
1: That, yeah, without a doubt, man. Um, you know, we're working on um, specific content that we're going to be putting on our site at the facility that, Hey, when you have uh, this, we see with blast here is a set of drills. I mean, that's my biggest thing when it comes down to anyone collecting uh, data is, great, you're collecting it, but what are you doing with it, right? Information without application is nothing. Um, so when we see a kid with an attack angle, here's a certain drill uh, set that we're going to use uh, that we've tested um, you know, to, to help them out with that stuff. I, I haven't used uh, K-Vest. Um, I'm, we're in the works probably getting it within the next six to to eight months. Uh, I do have 40 emotion motion in our facility, which we're going to be implementing with uh, our guys more in the next uh, week or so, but yeah. I mean, Pat, I'm sure you've gotten videos from kids, uh, parents and they text you it, right. It's not a clear view. Um, it's from a, a really crappy angle. Um, it, it's hard to slow down on your slow-mo. Uh, and you know, I, I'll be straight up with parents that, Hey, it, it just doesn't tell me the whole story of what's happening in a swing room. Show me a video. Any, any coach that is going to tell you, Hey, you can break down, you know, this video I'm going to tell you is probably lying. Um, it just doesn't tell the whole story. So the fact that we have all this information for us as coaches, uh, is really just making our jobs easier. Um, you know, in that aspect, uh, it, it's, I believe it's going to be unacceptable for, for coaches in the future, uh, to not be using some of this information. You can't say, you know, when I have kids that come into my facility, the first thing I do with them is set goals. Well, goal too. Um, I, I can't get kids better if I don't know what their, their angles are. You know, if they want to go play, uh, high school varsity baseball, right? If they want to play college baseball, they want to play professional baseball, we got to work towards something. And I I can't tell a kid that I'm doing everything in my power possible if I'm not trying to use every uh, tool that's out there to get him better. Uh, And I think that's the way, you know, instruction and and the game as a whole is going to be moving, that if you're not using every tool that's out there for your players, you're doing a disservice and a disjustice to them because you're just holding out information for them.
0: How do you like using 4D uh, motion?
1: I haven't implemented it too much with our guys, and I'm still in the, the works uh, of that stuff. I followed a couple guys that are, are using it. Our thought process uh, behind using some of this stuff will be through assessments to kind of analyze their, their kinematic sequence, which is huge, uh, which you can't get on video. Uh, but... <clears throat> In the future as well, too, Um, what we're going to be using 40 motion for is uh, our drills, right? You know, the the step back drill, right? The, you know, a couple of our drills that we use to help hitters feel different things. We're going to be testing some of those drills uh, to see if they're actually uh, helping players out with their sequence uh, and maybe their tilt, whatever it may be in their swing. Uh, We want as much information uh, as possible for whatever we put on a player that, you know, from the minute a player steps into our facility, uh, we are going to have uh, whatever his you know his profile is for what he's doing, we are going to have a curated process for him to fix whatever may be going on.
0: Gotcha. Makes makes complete sense. And especially with the way the game is going, to, from an instruction standpoint, um, I'm sure you saw, you know, Jason Ochar just is now with the um, the Phillies. So Marley hitting instructor. Plus, still working at Driveline.
1: Um, would yep. you?
0: Would you ever want to do something like that?
1: <clears throat> so I, I've gotten a lot of questions, you know, about that. And when I when I you know left my old job and I got back into just strictly instructing players, uh, you know, people have asked me if that's my aspirations, and I tell most people no. Um, one because you know when I spent my time with the Los Angeles Angels, uh, I was I was very displeased, Pat how things operated in minor league baseball. Um, and when I say that, you know, I was a, a 21st round draft pick. Uh, I was a senior sign. There was not much invested in me. Right. Um, right. But if you follow O chart and you follow the guys at drive Line, you, you see some of the stuff they post, you know, about communication and how important it is for guys. Um, you'd be surprised how little, you know, communication there was as far as what I can do to get to the big league level. Right. What can I do to advance, uh, you know, the next level? There was just none, man. Uh, it was very, it was very disappointing, uh, and I wasn't very happy as far as how everything was structured in there. Um, if the game is willing to change, uh, which it looks like it's going to, I would, I would love to to help out. You know, an organization uh, change the way they they operate uh, for a guy that you know got invested six million dollars, or the guy that got invested five grand uh, out of college. I think every player. Uh, deserves the opportunity you, you obviously took him because he fits something that you guys need right um you know that that's kind of my my take on that right now um but uh you know i think a, a lot of people um want to get into professional baseball but they don't know exactly you know what it what it actually entails um yeah they, they think more they're gonna answer. have a lot of power and they really don't yeah at all. It, yeah, it's it's a little different uh once you're actually in there and you see how it is uh and I just remember you know all the coaches uh that you know I went through uh there and it was very disappointing man you know I'll give a, a short story uh, of my experience in in professional baseball but you know I was in uh Burlington Iowa um, uh, small town uh, not a great town um but uh you know I was going through a little slump there um you know, and you know, for me to get out of the slump, I just needed extra time in the cage, right? I just needed to feel some things out, trying to work on some things. Uh, and Pat, I didn't have a coach to throw BP to me. Really, I didn't have a coach to throw BP to me. We we had one coach to throw BP. He was our manager? Um, your manager? Your coach, manager?
0: Your manager was the one throwing BP.
1: Our manager was the only one that threw BP. Our hitting coach couldn't throw BP. Uh, didn't know how to. Um, he was a former <laughs> big leaguer. He was a former big leaguer, right? This is how the, the how baseball used to be operated, right? If you you played in the big league, you were going to get a job just because of your your track record. Doesn't mean that you you could teach players. Doesn't mean you could throw BP, but um, you are going to get a job. So you know, I went through a slump and I I, I couldn't get extra BP. I, I couldn't go. The Los Angeles Angels had a rule at the time as well, so you couldn't go to the cages without a coach, which is absolutely ridiculous. I know Ochart tweets about that all the time, you know, it just doesn't make sense, uh, you know, to me either why you wouldn't let me go to the cage to figure things out. Um, but then when I would go to the cage, I, I couldn't have a coach still be me; It was just front office day. So, you know, it's just, you know, little things like that, you know, frustrated me that, you know, if I had the opportunity uh, to change those things, I think I would. But if things were gonna uh, are going to run the same way that they are uh, with certain organizations, like professional baseball, I want to part of it. You know, my, my goal uh, of what I'm doing in our facility is to help out players like myself when I was 14, 15 years old who – you know, we're told that they were too small to play Division One or not talented enough to to help those kids uh, achieve their their dreams and goals. Uh, to me, that matters more than uh, any title that you know I think anyone could give me in professional baseball.
0: Man, that is crazy that you had the only one that could throw BP was the manager in an MLB organization, and that wasn't that long ago either.
1: No, yeah, uh, we're talking about 2014. 2014
0: 2015 wow unbelievable that is yep. that that is crazy you talked about uh you had a, a jo- uh, another job before you got into baseball full time what was that
1: so i uh the past 2 years um after i finished playing baseball i was working for a startup company out of uh seattle um doing fundraising uh and i was in sales um uh, what, what really brought me back into baseball and data uh, was my brother opened up uh, our facility at the Grindhouse, uh, and he needed some help there. And I transitioned uh, over there and, and worked with the hitters again throughout my time uh, with my previous job. I gave instructions to kids every now and then. And um, <clears throat> But w- one thing that really interested me was, as far as you know, my previous job was we were a, a tech company, right? A tech company with a data-driven process of uh, of fundraising and trying to improve all processes um, through you know all the data that we record uh, it 's a very simple concept that 's tough to grab for a lot of people that um, through the use of of data you can transform you can uh, record a lot of accurate uh, uh, information and be able to apply that to make something better you know i I look at it that the same with the same view as. far as the data we record for players that we're collecting all this information uh and looking at it to try and help them out in their career so that was uh my background when I was done um you know playing ball and good experience to help me out uh with with a lot of things as far as technology uh and and, you know data-driven processes
0: gotcha that's very very cool interesting so it's a family your your family owns the um the facility
1: yeah, so my uh I've got a, a heavy baseball family. My my dad runs a, a baseball league down here in South Florida that has over two hundred teams, uh from eight wow. U all the way to to fourteen U. Uh, he's been running for the last ten years. Uh my brother runs uh Elite Squad Baseball. He founded it back in two thousand seven when I was a freshman, which is one of the top uh showcase high school showcase organizations in the country. Um and then recently, in December of last year, we've just reached a year. He opened up the Grindhouse, uh, which is our developmental facility, uh, which we run our programs in there: hitting, pitching, and working out. Um, so, yeah.
0: So, for the Grindhouse, is it is it a? Do you guys do group lessons or is it one on one?
1: We we only do group setting, man. Uh, that goes for all of our programs. We run a, a pitching program. Uh, an arm strengthening program. Uh, we run our, I run the hitting program uh, facility right now, uh, and we run a strength conditioning program. Everything we do in our facility is through groups. Uh, one of our principles, as we talk about principles, uh, one of our principles that we that we really believe in for kids to be successful in our game is competitiveness. Uh, you know, something that I've seen uh, and been a part of myself is very bland uh, one-on-one uh, sessions with kids where it becomes a a lot of talking uh, from the instructor uh, and not enough doing, essentially, from the kids. Uh, You know, we know that learning um, is more than just uh, feeding kids information um, through verbal cues. It involves more constraints. It involves more movement. um, And we're looking to build an atmosphere um, for kids in our facility that, you know, when they come in, they're they're surrounded by kids uh, that have the same goals and aspirations as them you know, surrounding yourself with winners, you're eventually going to be a winner. Um, so we, we don't take everyone in our facility. And that's just the truth, man. Um, we only take kids with, with certain goals and aspirations, uh, you know, in our facility and look to group them all together to uh, to develop. Uh, and that's what we believe in. Uh, and, you know, we think it's working. Uh, we're testing this. We're testing this and, you know, things are going well uh, in that aspect. But you know, competitiveness is is one of our principles that we think uh, a a a player at at pretty much every level uh, will separate themselves from from the good ones and not. You know, the kids that compete, the kids that uh, you know grind, uh, you know, kind of separate themselves. Uh, you know, just through through every single level uh, when it comes down to that. So, Love, one of the reasons why we. It's one of the reasons why we don't do one on one. Uh we, we find it pretty boring. There's no music playing, so kind of put it in a group setting and kids like it. They meet other kids. So kids cool. love it.
0: Kids love it. I, I just started doing group lessons. Uh, for high school players and they all love it they only they they don't ever want to do one-on-one again they all love the group lessons they meet like you said they meet other kids and make friends it's competitive as well and nobody needs somebody to stand over them after five swings and and or two swings or whatever it is and give them you know one more thing to think about when they're swinging I so I completely agree that's just and I think just you do research on skill acquisition and things like that that's just where what the research says, I know it may not be the exact same for everybody, but for the most part, I mean, I really like that, especially for the high school level. My next question yeah. would be for you would be since you're in Florida, um, I'm in Ohio, I'm in Cincinnati. So the weather is a little bit different. Do you find mm-hmm. that? That a lot of like facilities have a tough time keeping uh, players in the door because it's so nice all the time, they can always go outside to a field.
1: Yes, without a doubt. Um, it's one of the things that I've seen in my time, uh, playing is facilities pop up, uh, and as fast as they pop up, they go down. Uh, one thing that, that has in, that intrigued me with my last job, uh, Pat was we were very innovative, right? We were a tech startup that was changing the way, uh, fundraising was looked at in high school, uh, through technology, uh, through a data driven process we're doing the exact same thing in South Florida. Uh, we are changing the way kids train, uh, in South Florida, you know, South Florida, since we're blessed with, you know, beautiful weather, there's a tournament every single weekend, but that doesn't get kids better. Just playing doesn't get you better. Um, you know, when we're really involved with, with high school, obviously, with our elite squad baseball attachment, um, there is one or two kids in South Florida right now, um, for the draft that are ninety plus. We're talking about South Florida, some of the richest talent uh, you know in the nation, and we have one or two pitchers in South Florida right now that sit ninety plus in high school. Why is that? Training. Yeah. Not enough kids in South Florida spend the time going through the driveline armchair arm care protocols, right? The the velocity programs going through your pull downs, right? Not enough kids are, are doing that. They're just playing year round where sure they may be getting uh better as far as some game-like situations but you know when it comes down to velocity you have to go through these training protocols you have to go through a strength program uh and not enough kids do it down here so we're kind of changing the ass the um the mindset of how kids need to be training in south florida uh we see it all the time when you know uh us in elite Spell, we go ahead and play a a team from, you know, Ohio, right, or, or Minnesota, they you know, the the team has two to three guys that are ninety plus. Well, why? Well, because you guys have an indoor facility. You guys are going to the driveline line our care protocols and you guys are doing the the pull downs, right? You guys are doing the the weight of balls and all that stuff. So um yeah, uh we've we're lucky. Um we we have a good following we have a good brand. Uh we've been successful. Um but you know I don't think as a facility, you know, moving forward um, that you can be successful if you're not implementing um, the data, if you're not implementing the the program mindset um, versus the, the four pack of lessons mindset, the, the eight pack of lessons mindset. It, it, it's the way baseball is moving. Um, it's going to be unacceptable for, for anyone to just take a kid into the facility uh, and and tell a parent that hey, it looks like he's getting better, right? No, we, we got to measure it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Now. Yeah, we we got to measure it for us as coaches now, and 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 show parents that hey, we're, we're doing, our methods uh, are are getting your player uh, better, and we're, we're looking to translate that, you know, out towards the game.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, completely agree. How are you been? Uh been a fantastic guest really appreciate it um it's always interesting for me because i'll reach out to some people on social media to come on the the podcast and and you were one of those people i did and so it's you never really know what type of uh interview uh or or episode it's going to be but i mean you're really you're well polished man and you you know what's going on and i just uh you know keep fighting the good fight and glad to see uh someone else who's who's on the forefront of all the changes and and uh doing taking the time to to do it the right way so i really appreciate it
1: Yeah, no, Pat, thanks for, for reaching out, man. You've been a good follow as well, too, and been listening to your podcast. So thanks for having me on, and uh, I hope to uh, connect with you soon.
0: Absolutely.